Hello, this is Michael, the producer of the Redeemed Hearts podcast, where we encourage you to allow God to transform you mentally, emotionally, and relationally by living from your redeemed heart. Your hosts, Worley and Danina Kennedy, are licensed professional counselors and are the founders of Redeemed Hearts Ministries. Welcome to episode 18. This month, Worley and Danina are tackling the issue of a complaining spirit. This first episode on the topic is entitled Causes of a Complaining Spirit. Hey, I know that you're used to hearing an excerpt from this week's episode right now, but this week we wanted to do something different and encourage you to check out redeemedheartsministries.com. There you'll find blog posts and more podcast episodes from Worley and Danina. Worley and Danina want you to know that they are available for speaking. If you're a pastor or a ministry leader and would like to have Worley and Danina speak at your church, a retreat, a conference, or you'd like to do a custom special event with Worley and Danina, please reach out via the contact page at redeemedheartsministries.com. We're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to the Redeemed Hearts podcast today to learn and grow and invest in your spiritual life. So without further ado, here's Worley and Danina today. Welcome back. We've been away a while. Yes, we have. But we're glad to be back. We've had some travel and uh, then we had some health issues that we were addressing, but we're doing well, thank the Lord. So mm-hmm. um, we've given ourselves a freedom not to push, not to overstress, and to uh, be able to get this out, you know, as as we are. So we're glad to be here. Today's podcast is a little bit different, perhaps, than the others, and that it's a little more sermon-esque, if you will. Mm-hmm. It's, it's We're going to take some passages and really talk about them, but we're excited about what we have to share with uh, those who listen. And part of it is this is something that we're really living, something we've been studying, we've been focusing on, and... Um, so it's it's really as we give this we it's something we've been preaching to ourselves too. So and some of it came out of thinking about just what a hard year 2020 has been. Mm-hmm. And dictionary.com asked uh asked their thesaurus fans to choose one word that would describe this last year, 2020. So people entered and they voted and their top words included unprecedented Entangled, hellacious, apocalyptic, and omnishambles. Omnishambles. Have you ever heard of that word? No. I hadn't, so I had to look it up. I like it. Yeah. It's a British slang word meaning a situation, especially in politics, in which poor judgment results in disorder or chaos with potentially disastrous consequences. So my life is in omnishambles. <laughs> yes. And our world, our nation yeah, is in omnishambles. So a new word you can learn here on this podcast. <laughs> so it's true. We've added new words to our vocabulary that we never used before mm-hmm. or seldom heard before, like COVID-19, coronavirus, quarantine, social distancing. Mm-hmm. We're, you know... It's strange to go into a store now and see masks sold as an accessory. Um, We've seen people go to birthday parties through Zoom or maybe a drive-by party. We've had to stay home and work at home, attend school at home. Many have lost jobs. Others lost loved ones. Those are very difficult, real things. Well, and right now, I mean, losing loved ones and not even being able to be in the hospital with them or have funerals. Yeah. Schools have had opened and then closed and then, you know, tried to open again. Churches, same thing. Many are just had to adjust to to, uh, deal with the health issues and navigate as best they can, Um, learn how to worship remotely in many cases. Um, There's been a lot of unrest over the months, protests, riots, um, certainly the elections that we've already come through, but that was... Uh, it has been a tumultuous time. So this climate of unrest has led to to you and I see this in, in counseling, but a lot of unrest and, and broken relationships, um, mental issues, health issues have been, you know, exposed mm-hmm. for many. So mm-hmm. um, a recent survey and a poll completed last October by the uh, APA, the American Psychological Association, showed that COVID-19 along with stress related to healthcare, the economy, racism, and the presidential election, 
is seriously threatening the mental health of our country and particularly our youngest generation. And I think that's important. Yeah. I mean, some the the younger generation is um, sometimes just feeling this underlying anxiety yeah. and depression that even sometimes their parents aren't aware of because they think they're not adults. They're not having to live with these adult issues, but they're being greatly impacted. So, well, when you read all that, I just think that's that's part of us even talking about what we're going to talk about today because... I mean, I'm weary just hearing that list yeah. and listening to you, you know, name all of that off. And I think for us, as we've celebrated Thanksgiving and we're moving toward the end of this really kind of wearisome season of 2020, you and I have been really reminded of the stories told in the scripture in Numbers 11 through 14, where another group of people were living in unprecedented times. They um, wouldn't have known the word omnishambles either, but they... Um, if they had it, they'd have used it. <laughs> they would have. They could have related. Uh, because they were weary in their circumstances. Their leadership was in conflict. And um, a lot of fear was ruling their hearts. And what we see in these chapters is that patterns of complaining, coveting, competing, and comparing characterized um, this group of people. And God's anger was aroused because of it. And because of this, the journey that should have taken them, you know, weeks to make took them years. And they, the sad part of their story is that they missed out on God's best for them and and what he had planned for them. So in this podcast, we want to talk to you today really about what do we do with our own disappointments and our own adversity. And we're going to look at this heart issue of complaining. And then um, in our next podcast, we'll look at really how to counteract this attitude. So just as with the nation of Israel, our complaining has the power to send us into wilderness living and impact our relationship with God and with others in, in pretty devastating ways. So why don't you give us a definition of yes. complaining? So complaining is defined as the expression of dissatisfaction or annoyance about something. To moan, protest, find fault with, or grumble while doing nothing to either correct the circumstance or our attitude. So we'll read it again. Mm -hmm. Complaining is defined as the expression of dissatisfaction or annoyance about something. To moan, protest, find fault with, or grumble while doing nothing to either correct the circumstance or our attitude. So a, a lot of people might hear this and think that this would mean we should never say anything negative. Right. But that's not what we're no. saying here. I no, mean, you have to speak the truth about what's going on. Um, so, no, that's not what we're saying. What, what we're saying is um, that you can speak the truth about things and express dissatisfaction or annoyance about something in constructive ways. Mm -hmm. But complaining is this, the second part of this where you do that and then you do nothing about it. And so really what we're saying is to consider instead of complaining, we we can take action. If there's something that we can change, fix, or control in our circumstance, then we need to do our part rather than just sit back and grumble and complain. And sometimes this may mean making a change or maybe having a conversation and talking directly to a person um, instead of just grumbling about them. Um, it may, you know, be just us looking tangibly at how can we be part of a solution. And, and I want to just stop there because that I think is um, important that we make a distinction between that and then the times that we, there's really very little tangibly that we can do, but that doesn't mean we do nothing. And so, you know, go ahead and, and share what we do if it's, if, if the change is only internal. Well, I mean, when the change is internal, that means we're going to change our perspective and we're going to change our attitude. We may not be able to change the circumstance. Right. And um, I just think in this life, we all are experiencing a lot of loss and disappointments and frustrations, and it doesn't feel good. No. Uh, and we may need, uh, as you're saying, to state that and identify that dissatisfaction 
you know, with others. I mean, identify it within ourselves. And certainly we're going to be talking about prayer and, and doing that toward God. Um, but in any case here, our, our action may be even just to kind of identify it and grieve it as, you know, for the loss that it is. Yeah. So sometimes there's nothing that we tangibly can do, but as believers, we can always do something when we're dissatisfied and annoyed. And this is going to be fleshed out here in, in that we communicate with God. And by growing in our inner man, um, that's really where it occurs. It's through the adversity and hardship and sometimes helplessness. But as we communicate with God, um, and, and then there's sometimes we'll, we'll be able to do something, but many times it occurs in what happens in that internal world, in the spiritual relationship we have with God. And in the next time, we're going to spend time talking about, you know, how we counteract um, and and one thing we would both say in this is, as we've been thinking about this and studying it, I mean, we'll just, I mean, I can catch myself saying a comment to you and thinking, oh, um, that was complaining. I mean, I, is there anything I can do about it? I mean, I'm telling you, we, we've been practicing and living this and just studying this has made us much more aware of what's going on in our own hearts and then, you know, what um, can make it out of our mouths at some point. Definitely our hearts are going to be exposed. And um, the passages that we're talking about, we're talking about the the nation of Israel that God delivered from Egypt, as he said he was going to do, into, or excuse me, through the, through the, the wilderness and into the promised land and that journey that went on and the attitudes and the heart that was exposed that then God, dealt with. And God does that with us. You know, we're saved, we come to know Christ, and then we're living this life. And if you will, we're in a season of of wilderness and deliverance, and it happens over and over again, both parts of that. But that through that, God exposes our hearts. And we get to see that the one of the things in our hearts that's not good is this attitude of complaining. So we would encourage uh, any listener to read Exodus 14 through 16, and then also Numbers 11 through 14, because we're just going to hit some of the highlights. Mm -hmm. We're going to pick a few verses to read, and we'll tell some of the story in these passages, but we're not going to, you know, read all of that. Um, I do want to comment that God was involved with Israel as he delivered them through the miraculous ways from Egypt, through the plagues, and through the, um, the, the, the killing of the eldest son. And then they, um, he was with them, and as it said, a cloud by day and fire by night, that he was journeyed forward and behind them through that, that whole experience. Um, and they're well into the journey into the passages in Numbers, 13 months after having left Egypt. So they've been along this with God for 13 months. And you might think after all of that, that it would be a positive, perhaps even exciting time because they, because of what the bondage they had been delivered from and the supernatural ways they saw God work, but it was anything but that. Hmm. I like a quote by Dr. David Jeremiah where he explained some of what was happening here. And he says the Exodus generation of adults had a spiritual crisis halfway from Sinai to Canaan. It was not a question of geography or topography. It was a question of faith. The trip from prison land to promised land was spiritual at its core. It was a test to see whether the Hebrews would trust Yahweh to meet their needs and deliver them safely to their new home in Canaan. Aren't we just like this? Mm -hmm. So we experience God in our own lives in good and felt ways. We, we, we feel, we uh, see his provision, his, something happens for us and we're, you know, relieved, we're grateful. And then we own, only to get a little further down the road and our faith is tested as it always is. And then we're like, well, where's God? And what kind of God is, what kind of God are you? Um, and we begin to complain rather than remembering that God has never promised that our lives would be easy in this life. Mm -hmm. We have to embrace that. We spend a lot of time and energy. Our, the, the world around us is, 
is geared towards how to help people live with an illusion sometimes that we can get rid of all life's difficulties. But God never promises that. In fact, what he says through Luke in Acts uh, about Paul's work among the early church is that Paul was strengthening the souls of the disciples and encouraging them to continue in the faith. And Paul was saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Which is not what we want. It's not what we want. And yet that is what God has said is going to happen for us. Mm. And even Christians live with a real sense of entitlement all the time that, you know, I I deserve this from God even. So that's part of what you're saying. Yeah, and, and you know, everyone we know right now is is in the midst of some kind of testing of faith. And it's always been true, but it's especially true right now. Everybody's aware of that. I think this pandemic highlights that. And then some of the unrest highlights that. And as we go through whatever it is we're going through, we can ask ourselves, how are we doing with complaining? We want to take time to settle into how we're prone to complain and ask God to let our hearts be exposed for where we are currently in our walk with him. We believe there are some things we can learn about complaining from these stories and these events of the people of Israel. So we do. We have six points we want to make about complaining today in order to help us maybe recognize some root issues to understand um, the impact and to be able to understand the impact of our complaining. And the first one is complaining is tied to a heart of impatience. And we see that in Exodus 15, Israel had been in captivity, working as slaves in Egypt for 400 years, and yet three days into the journey following this miraculous Red Sea rescue, they complained about their water source. And in Exodus 16, they went as far to say, oh, that we had died at the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the pots of meat and where we ate bread to the full. For you, Moses and Aaron, have brought us out into the wilderness to kill us with all this hunger. I mean, you know, woe is me. I, you know, my life's falling apart after God had just rescued them and in quite miraculous ways. And and this is convicting to me because believing and praising the Lord only lasted three days before their fearful, unbelieving heart um, turned against God, forgot God, and then actually started to turn on Moses and Aaron. It's, it's, it's stunning mm-hmm. to see it. 400 years and then, in, 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 so that first day, you can imagine, they're celebrating, they're excited, they're relieved. Second day, and by the third day, things aren't going so well. And then their hearts are turning. But aren't we like this? Exactly. We listen to an encouraging podcast Mm -hmm. in the morning. (laughs) And by noon, we're, you know, upset because something's not going our way. Mm -hmm. Or have a personal victory or go to church Sunday and praise God. And then a few hours later, we're complaining about God not coming through for us uh, how we want or when we want it. So question for anyone listening, what are you waiting on right now and where might your impatience in 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 whatever it is in that area be fueling a heart that complains and i think we're all you know waiting on something mm-hmm. to change especially and, if we're we're suffering yes in yeah in Illness, our suffering rough marriage uh, something that we're scared of wishing you could be married um have children, I mean, whatever it might be. Difficulty at work, maybe you don't have work. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's constant. Finances to so, be more secure, yeah. So. so complaining can be tied to impatience. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, complaining is tied to forgetting. And this is important throughout this whole story of Israel here. They forgot, number one, where they had come from. I mean, remember they just been in bondage for 400 years. So they, they, you know, even there almost romanticized their past. They forgot how awful it was. And, um, and then they forgot God and they forgot how he had already answered their prayers. They forgot his deliverance. They forgot what he provided, how he destroyed their enemies in the middle of the Red Sea. 
I mean, how he had loved them and raised up Moses to come rescue and lead them. And I like what writer Stephen Lee says about this. He calls it spiritual amnesia. He says, spiritual amnesia is a deadly disease that threatens your faith and your joy more than any cancer. It penetrates to the core and it will rot your heart from within. And and you know what I think of, Danina, with this is, this is why we do Bible study every day or read the scriptures. This is why we go to church once a week. This is why we, you know, and the scriptures tell us over and over again, remember, God, God says throughout the Old Testament, to to the Israelites, remember, remember when I did this. And this is why we, this is why it's so imperative that we gather with the believers and the word is taught and we sing because if we don't, spiritual amnesia will come in. So complaining is tied also to forgetting. And so we would ask you just where, you know, where maybe have you forgotten, you know, God, where's he not even showing up in your story? right now um and you know where where do you maybe have this spiritual amnesia that is is going to suck your faith and joy out of your life more than cancer would suck life out of your body it's a pretty picturesque example so complaining is tied to forgetting complaining is also tied to a heart that craves so as god provides food and water for israel um in numbers 11:1 we see that they complain again. So it says there, now when the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord, and he heard them, his anger was aroused. And then down in verse 14, he says, it says there, now the mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. So the children of Israel also wept again and said, who will give us meat to eat? We remember the fish we ate freely in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and the garlic. Now, you got to be pretty bad shape if you're remembering garlic and onions. <laughs> no, they give all the seasoning to your food. Oh, my gosh. But you now, eat it all the time. <laughs> and then they go on to say, but now our whole being is dried up. There's nothing of all this except this manna before our eyes. Mm-hmm. And it's like I said earlier, it's really easy to romanticize the past. I mean, to, you know, forget that they had been begging God to deliver them from all the slavery and the bondage and the hardship there. And I mean, they're only, you know, now they're thinking about one thing, food. Yeah. And so. And they totally forget all the. You know, the suffering and the negative things that, that they, they cried were, out for God to right, rescue to, them from. To deliver them yes. from. And then I think also, I mean, not only do we romanticize the past, but sometimes um, we, when we have this craving, we don't see our present accurately. We exaggerate our present, you know, and only think of the positive things of the past. And so... I think it's important to know what the word crave means here. It's a pretty strong word, and it means uh, to feel a powerful desire for something, to long for, to set your heart in sight upon something, to hunger or beg for. I mean, it's it's a strong word. And word, I think we should talk about this some because God has, I mean, he's created us with hearts that desire because he wants us to know him ultimately. He yeah, wants desi- us to- desire is not a bad word. Right. In context, it can become one. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he he wants us to live with that hunger, that longing for, you know, it, to use this word, that craving really for him ultimately mm-hmm. as our provider and sustainer. So, um, you know, that, that root desire that we have is seldom sinful or wrong, like you're saying. But I think about this. They're they're all focused on food here. And so I've thought about, well, my physical body tells me I'm hungry and I need to eat. I mean, that that's a God-given, you know, normal desire. It's not wrong. But I also thought my desire also often tells me I should satisfy that hunger um, with sweets. I've sweet tooth and especially chocolate no you're not trying to i I see where you're going here you're not trying to say chocolate is sinful (laughs) no i'm not (laughs) the root desire of the people in israel here is what i'm saying their root desire to eat 
food was not the problem. They needed to eat, but their need for food crossed over to this um, intense craving, it says, this wanting at a level where they forgot God. They started to turn toward this other thing. Because he had provided. To satisfy them, yes. And basically, it wasn't enough to just state you know, make the statement like we you said about complaining. We can make a statement. They could have said, you know, I wish we had some meat to eat, um, but I'm grateful for this manna that God's providing for me every day. Mm-hmm. Instead, it says they not only craved meat, but they craved more. They craved intensely and then they yielded. And that's the big word to me yield. is they yielded to this craving. So for me, I can crave sweets every day, all day long. And I do, usually. (laughs) I don't have to yield to eating them all day long every day. I don't even feel good when I do that. Do you notice, too, that when we're home during COVID, that that those cravings seem to be worse? Mm -hmm. Like if you're at the office and doing stuff, it's not quite as bad. But when you're home, it's something about those sweets that are just in the cabinet. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell a little secret on us. <laughs> you know, <laughs> on you know us? what I'm going to say? No, you, yeah. this isn't us. This uh-huh. is you I'm going to say, me. it's not just me that likes chocolate because uh-huh. you have your bag of chocolate chips <laughs> and I have my bag. I don't because... like your flavor quite as much as mine. <laughs> I like darker chocolate. So we both have our own bag of chocolate chips. <laughs> we are constantly um, s- sneaking a few out of, yeah. We so. digress. We do. Anyway. As we say, we can quickly find ourselves in this story. Um, every time we read it, we can start out with a God-given need, and very quickly we can be just like Israel and start to um, you know, take that God-given need, that desire, and it turns into a craving, and then it turns into an intense craving, and then it turns into us having a choice whether we're going to yield to that craving. And, um, you know, we're we are constantly doubting God's sufficiency and his sovereignty in our circumstances. And we want more. We want something better. We want something different than what God has chosen to provide for us right now. And, you know, God didn't take this lightly um, at all. And the story in Numbers 11 ends with God giving the people what they craved. And pretty seriously, I mean, he he basically said he was going to give it to them until it was coming out their noses. Um, why don't you read that verse in verse 33? Yeah, this is also a little bit stunning. He says, while the meat was still between their teeth, before it was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was aroused against the people, and the Lord struck the people with a very great plague. And so they called the name of that place Kibroth Hatavah because they were buried because there they buried the people who had yielded to the craving. Mm-hmm. And one commentator says they named this place Kilbroth Hatavah, which means graves of craving. And how many have had their cravings be their grave, is mm-hmm. what the commentator mm-hmm. says. How many have had their cravings be their grave? How many have lived in spiritual death because they yielded to their cravings and never found victory over their lusts? And so today, um, you know, we would ask you to consider where you your craving might be fueling a heart that complains because that craving leads us to say, God, what you're giving us is not enough. I want more. I need more. And, you know, where might it even be leading, not just to complaining, but even in this story, it led to death. I mean, death in your soul, your relationships, your ability to feel well, your ability to function, your ability to work, and, you know, ultimately your ability to worship. Oh, you want to tell us the next one? Yeah, so um, we, we go on and complaining is also tied to a heart that competes and compares. Um, and we're going to look at Numbers 12 for this. But complaining about others can be tied to an insecure, entitled, jealous, hurting heart that begins to compare and compete with others. And this case, we either struggle with the sin of pride by feeling better than others or the sin of envy 
toward others that have more. And we see this in two places in these chapters. And it's first in chapter 12, where Moses' siblings, Miriam and Aaron, speak out against Moses by complaining about who he has married and then follow an attack on his leadership. In verse 2, it says that Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? Moses went from having the nation of Israel complain to now having his own inner circle complain. Relationships were strained, and he became discouraged by this in his heart. His own siblings, who walked with God along with him, fell into this sin of complaining due to their attitude of comparing and then competing. And I think that's important. I mean, the, these were people who walked with God mm-hmm. that, um, you know, fell into this, and jealousy kind of started in their heart, mm-hmm. and pretty soon they're you know, competing and comparing, and um, we'll, uh, you know, see later some of the, well, some of the severe consequences. Miriam was given leprosy because it originated with her, um, is what it tells and us And those here. are vicious sins, and, and so what's exposed for all of us is our fallen sinful hearts. Mm-hmm. You know, our hearts have been redeemed and made new through the work of the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. because of what Jesus has done. And, um, and and yet what remains within us is this flesh, this fleshly heart, sinful heart, and it's constantly being exposed. And so jealousy um, and, 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 or pride, you, you, we've mentioned both of these here, either one of those um, can just really, you know, create this competition, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we're talking about here. So we see the, the a heart that competes and compares in that story in Numbers 12, but then in Numbers 13, we see that comparing can distort reality and it can bring so much fear and insecurity that it can, you know, just shut us down. It can cause us to forget God and miss out really on his plan and his provisions. And um, Numbers 13, 31 through 33 says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. Let me give just a brief context. So they had sent out spies into the promised mm -hmm. land. Yes. There was 12, and 10 of them came back, and and they're giving a report. Mm -hmm. And this is the report they're giving. Yes, and so they, they'd gone out, these 12 spies, and they come back and they're saying, we're not able to go into this promised land. We're not able to go up against these people for they're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out saying, the land through which we have gone to, we have gone as spies, is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature, there we saw the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and we were in their sight. And that's part of the comparison right there mm-hmm. is they they looked at these men in the land that God had promised them victory already in and compared themselves to it and came back to Moses and reported, um, you know, these giants are too big for us. It, you know, maybe God promised us this land. Um, you know, we should have victory here, but once we compared ourselves, we look like grasshoppers compared to them. And so all of these spies here, but two, Joshua and Caleb, once again, forgot God and, you know, compared themselves to the giants in the land. And as they did this, you know, I just think we do this. We focus on, when we forget God, we start to just focus on our own self and our own resources. And our enemy always becomes bigger than it actually is. So Theodore Roosevelt said, um, comparison is the thief of joy. And that's so true. I think in all these stories, I mean, it's the thief of joy, but in these stories, it's the thief of their peace. And, you know, with Moses and his siblings, it was the thief of their relationships. And ultimately for Israel, it was the thief of their future. So today we would ask, I mean, where might your own you know, pride, your own pain, 
fear, jealousy, or insecurity be leading you to compete and compare? And then, you know, when you find yourself competing and comparing, how's that manifesting itself with a complaining spirit? I mean, it usually comes out, I'm you know, I'm going to compare myself with another person. So I'll complain about my looks or, you know, my health, my weight, or what kind of clothing I have to wear. I can complain about my life or my success or my home compared to your home or your job compared to my job or your ministry or your church compared to my ministry or church. And when we start down that path, we can end up just like them. It completely can shut us down, paralyze us by fear. Um, break relationships, and we can end up in a, in a bad place again. And, and I dare say many in our audience are convicted by this as we are about comparing. And whether we ever verbalize it or not, mm-hmm. if it's just something that we're thinking in our hearts, it's something that we have to ask ourselves, are we have a complaining spirit with this? Are we dissatisfied with what God's provided in the way we look and the provisions he has for us? And it can shut us down. I mean, I I can think of you saying, even about us doing this podcast, there are so many voices out there and so many other people doing podcasts and you listen to so many and why would we do this? Or, you know, I mean, if if we take our eyes off what we feel like God's asking us to do and what he is, you know, giving us um, and providing for us to be able to do this, uh, you know, it would shut us down from entering into what God would have for us as well. Yeah, well stated, well said. So complaining, the next one we're going to mention is just complaining is contagious. This is a a tricky one. So throughout these chapters, we see really how contagious complaining can be. And once again, this is convicting because in Numbers 11, we read that the people who were not Israelites, they were the mixed multitude that had... Um, attach themselves to the nation of Israel, maybe through marriage or just, you know, coming out of Egypt. They're traveling along with them. And it says that this mixed multitude yielded to the intense craving so that the children of Israel wept again. And then a few verses later, Moses hears the people, people and they're weeping all throughout there. It says their entire family and everyone is at the door of his tent. And then another example comes in Numbers 14, where due to the 10 of the 12 spies giving a bad report in the land where they all say that all the creation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night and all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron. Yeah, and the point that's being brought out here for all of us, I mean, none of us is an island. We all always impact the people around us Mm -hmm. in everything, positive and also negative. And complaining is one of... it's, it's huge in the way that we impact others. Dr. Ligon Duncan says, nothing in our private world is inconsequential for the health and well-being of the whole or the whole congregation. Every battle you fight, every temptation you fend off, every trust you render to the Lord in the midst of your own personal circumstances has a dividend one way or another for an entire fellowship, an entire congregation. We live for one another as we live for God. We need one another. And therefore, when we give way to the spirit of complaining, rather than to live out a spirit of trust, there are consequences for the whole congregation. Hmm. And this is why, even though this is hard to think about and not fun, probably for those of you listening to us, um, you know, we've been sifting through this and, and thinking about it. If, if I don't recognize this in my own life, I will never recognize the impact that I have and the tone that I'm setting for, you know, my home, my place of business, my church, my family. Uh, so, just- and, and one quick comment there, and we're going to talk about humility in our next podcast, mm-hmm. but, you know, I don't always recognize everything in my own life. And no, have blinders. And so this congregation, this fellowship, this spouse, this friend who gives feedback to you is very important. Mm-hmm. And we must receive from the others who might point this out to us. So mm-hmm. I would even say, listen to this podcast, but listen to it with someone else who's you know closer. Have them listen to it and then talk about it and ask ourselves, it, you know, what do you see in me in regard to complaining? 
Well, and I, I know for me, I will even just often pray and ask God to just show me. I mean, to, you know, prick my heart and mind when I'm going down that path. And I did that when the kids were home and it was kind of funny because you all said, oh, she just caught herself because I said something negative. And then I said, but I'm so thankful God has done this. And, you know, so it wasn't that the complaining didn't come out my mouth, but I recognized it right then. And then very quickly said, but I'm thankful, you know, for this. And, and so we're not going to be perfect in this. It's just a matter of recognizing it. So, uh, for this thinking about complaining, being contagious, I mean, are you aware of your influence on others, on your organization, in your place of worship, in your family? And, um, you know, we may we just all take this seriously in remembering in remembering here that complaining is contagious, and um, remember just that in complaining attitude, wherever we're at, is going to be a contagious attitude. So, a couple more we're, we want to point out that complaining is never hidden from God. Um, as Israel complained about what they had and what they didn't have, God heard every word. Now, that that's almost so obvious to say that, mm-hmm. but I don't think we live like God hearing every thought or knowing every thought and hearing every word. We mm-hmm. don't live like that when we complain, but... Or caring that he hears. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> even, even more so. Mm-hmm. But in Exodus 2, it says there, God heard their groanings. And in Exodus 16, it says, God heard the complaints of the children of Israel. And then the passage that we focused on in Numbers 11, in verse 1, it says, Now when the people complained, it would displease the Lord, for the Lord heard it, and his anger was aroused. And in Numbers 12, 2, so they said, and this is Moses' older siblings, Miriam and Aaron, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. So there's a little bit of a warning in this for all of us. Don't think God doesn't know. Don't think God doesn't hear. Embrace that he does. And he's a gracious, forgiving God for we believers. Let's tell the truth about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Danita, you're an extrovert. Mm-hmm. And so you actually complain out loud more than me. <laughs> Yes. Right? So I must be better than you mm-hmm. because you I don't complain as much. I know. You're a saint. <laughs> <laughs> but what we have discussed, and it's very true, is that I, as an introvert, I complain just as much. It's just internal to myself, but it comes out in other ways. Mm-hmm. And you can you can tell, because we've been married as long as we have, sometimes when in my spirit there's a complaining spirit because I'm moody. Mm-hmm. or I'm short-tempered, mm-hmm. um, or I'm impatient. Mm-hmm. And in, in at the root of that very often is, I'm just not happy with what God's doing or not doing, or I'm not happy with you. And what is that? Internally, it's a complaining spirit. And so both can wear on people. I mean, truthfully, when you're complaining a lot, it, it wears on me. I don't like it. I, mm-hmm. You know, that's when I might put the earphones in or... Turn up the volume on the TV or, yeah, you know, find, <clears throat> try, try to distance myself in a book. But because it's worrisome, but it's no worse than what you experience from me when I'm sulking or I'm not engaging with you. Mm-hmm. So both things are true. And, and the warning here in this point really is God knows. Mm-hmm. God knows he loves us. And he's intent on dealing with this. You know, we want to turn from this. And we'll talk more about that um, in the next podcast. But um, complaining is never hidden from God. And our our last point here that we want to make as we close up, um, finish this podcast, is just how important it is for us to know that complaining has consequences. And we've already said this, but these stories are sobering. And they're such an important reminder to us Uh, that God takes all of this so seriously when you read through these Old Testament stories. And it's easy to forget this. But this text has told us basically that the complaining displeased the Lord and it aroused his anger. Um, He brought consequences of fire on the outskirts of the camp. He brought leprosy to Miriam. He brought plagues. And eventually, um, 
to the whole nation of it, it, Israel for those that were over 20 and older. I mean, it was wilderness living and um, he brought death to many. He brought immediate death to the 10 of the 12 spies that came back giving the bad report. He brought immediate death to the mixed multitude that had the intense craving. And so, the you know, that's those are pretty serious consequences. And then we see, um, by the time we get to Numbers 14, where it starts with the people crying out and weeping because they entered the promised, because entering the promised land was going to be harder than they thought. And there were going to be battles to fight and their enemy looked too big and they're mourning and murmuring because they forgot God and his promised victory. And, you know, they they have what I would say is the if only syndrome. If only we just died in Egypt. If only we died in the wilderness on the way here. If only we could just raise up and find a new leader that would lead us all the way back to Egypt. I think it's worth reading some of the scriptures from this passage here. Um, and so in verse 11, we read, the Lord said to Moses, how long will this people despise me? How long will they not believe in me in spite of the signs that I've done among them? And again, later in verse 26, and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, how long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones whom you said would be victims, I will bring in and they shall know the land which you have despised. According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days for each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely 40 years, and you shall know my rejection. I, the Lord, have spoken this. I will surely do so to all this evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. So, as we live in God's grace, we think we're going to make it to the promised land. But God isn't content just to let us complain and then enter heaven. He has made us for more. And the more being that we experience in this life uh, a growing internal spiritual reality that's in love with and at peace with God for who he is. And so, yes, we're saved by his grace, but take, take heed. We, we, we want to encourage all of us that God's about doing a work in our hearts and to deal with the, the ongoing sin in our lives that's been taken care of in Christ. Um, and because we live in his grace and we're no longer separated from God, um, we have the hope of heaven, but um, we, we, we a complaining spirit leads to consequences um, and, and even a lifestyle. Well, and I, I do like that we have that to look forward to. I mean, I'm just thinking we do have that to look forward to, the promised land. Yeah. Um, but we right now are getting to choose what path we're taking. And um, Complaining has a big part to do with yeah. having a complaining attitude we see in this story. It robs joy. It robs peace. It affects others. Mm-hmm. And it, it can set us up for wilderness living. Lots of discipline. Living. Lots yeah. of discipline. Yes. So as we close here, I just think in these unprecedented days, these hard days full of whatever adversity you're walking through, we really want to invite you to join us in what we're really doing and trying to guard our hearts against um, complaining. And it's hard and it's daily and it, it really requires a thoughtfulness of just being aware of it because this can become, in little small ways, even a lifestyle. Yeah. So start by just practically paying attention to your thoughts and your words for a day and ask yourself, how often do you find a complaining spirit? 
And then secondly, if you find yourself complaining, consider addressing some of the underlying issues we've discussed in these passages. Impatience, forgetting God, craving, and competing and comparing. And then the third recommendation, remember our definition of complaining. And then basically it's, it's the grumbling and murmuring and so forth, and then doing nothing about it. Um, but instead, as you remember this, realize take action. Deal with whatever you need to deal with. And minimally, you're in conversation with the Lord about all of it and your attitude. And then remember that we all need to do this work because complaining is contagious and it will impact those around us. And it not only sets a tone for our own heart and mind, but it sets a tone for our relationships, our marriage, our family, our friendships, our work, and our worship of the Lord. Complaining, it it reveals our heart responses to our suffering, to our circumstances, but it also exposes our need to uh, address the complaining because it not only exposes our heart's response to our circumstances, but it especially exposes our heart's response to God. And it will separate us from God if we don't deal with it. And he alone is the one who has the power to be our provider and our sustainer. Mm -hmm. So thanks for joining us today. And um, we invite you to join us again next time when we'll continue this discussion. We're going to look at how to counteract complaining. Thank you for joining Worley and Danina today on the Redeemed Hearts podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are looking for more content from Worley and Danina, we encourage you to visit redeemedheartsministries.com. Hey, Worley and Danina want you to know that they are available for public speaking. If you're a pastor or ministry leader and would like to have Worley and Danina speak at your church, a retreat, a conference, or you would like to do a custom event with Worley and Danina, please reach out via the contact page at redeemedheartsministries.com. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Please rate and subscribe the podcast on iTunes and Spotify and share this episode on social media. Please feel free to reach out and contact us through the website. God bless.